This episode of A Little Juju Podcast is sponsored by Acute Inflections. I just found out about Acute Inflections, this black couple that makes some dope music. She was in Fela on Broadway, he was in the audience, and just listen to their music. I love you, never everywhere. I don't know why. Catch them on Spotify or live on Instagram Wednesdays at 9 p.m. and on Facebook Sundays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I know you'll love acute inflections. Welcome to A Little Juju Podcast. This is the podcast all about black ass spirituality, honoring the ancestors, honoring ourselves, decolonizing our spiritual traditions and practices on our journey to freedom. I am the host of the show. My name is Juju and I come to this podcast as a medium, as a hoodoo practitioner, as a Reiki practitioner, as an Orisha devotee, as an all-around theologian. They also call me Reverend Pastor Juju because I am an ordained minister and it is an embarrassingly easy process to do so. You can go and be an ordained minister too. You can pause this for for three minutes and come back and you can listen to this as an ordained minister <laughs> Um, anywho, if you would like to keep up with the conversation, hashtag a little juju podcast, hashtag ALJ pod, hashtag juju bay. Maybe you will find other people who are listening on Twitter or on Instagram. And then maybe y'all asking the same stuff. Maybe y'all talking about the same stuff. I don't know, but I think we need to utilize the hashtags. I'm, I'm going to start being better about that. Um, but yes, hashtag ALJ pod, hashtag juju bay. Um, I am currently very lit off coffee right now. Shout out to New Orleans because I have some of that Cafe Dumont coffee with the chicory and honey, that joint be having me lit. And so I am lit right now. That is the energy and really excited to get into this episode, talk about some things I've been doing over here and some topics I've been thinking about. So yeah, let's just, let me take my lit ass on. Let's get into the show, drop this intro and welcome to another episode. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is, all you need. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju, a little juju, a little juju. A little juju is the way. It's how I start my day. Can't firm no say. And I'll never keep a play. I'll take your photo to the grave. But that ain't even my thing. I just stay at the crossroads, pray. I just pour a little honey from my bay to make a stay. Cause I hate when bay leaves, but I manifest a little with my bay leaves. I'm my ancestors, baby. So I give them everything that they gave me, yeah. So I can't be stopped. Manifested everything gives me props. I'm spiritually rounded while I'm on the top. My spirit's surrounded, so I'll never drop. Alrighty, y'all. Um, can can we just Okay, let me backtrack. Church announcements. Shout out to the We Gonna Be Alright panel. I know that was the last episode and we already did that and that was a couple weeks ago. But I'm still getting a lot of wonderful uh, feedback and just thoughts about it. 
And I'm just so happy. Like I just, it just went so well. So just big shout out to again the we gonna be all right panel and everyone who tuned in and also everyone who has just been saying like, thank you for this or it helped me in this way. It made me think about this. It confirmed some things for me. I'm so 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 happy. So I just wanted to say that because um y'all we really are in the midst of a global pandemic. I, you know, I really don't want. As we're in the midst of this global pandemic, I want to be mindful about the content that I put out um, because I don't want everything to be about coronavirus. I feel like everything that we ingest, everything that we're seeing is about coronavirus. But at the same time, I think some things need to be about it because we're literally in the midst of a global pandemic. And I just might say this is wild once every episode because it's just wild. Like, I what just wow just wow I think I might need to go back and ground myself in the we gonna be all right panel and watch it again just because I feel like I say that's crazy like 10 times a day (laughs) I just had to put that out there like we're gonna be okay the T is we're going to be all right, but it's just a lot. And I'm, I just want to send out seriously some love just to folks who could be dealing with COVID themselves, um, may have a family member experiencing um, sickness because of COVID-19. Um, it's just, it's really, it's hitting close to home. Like nobody in my family particularly is being impacted, but I have a lot of people who know people who have lost people. So if that is you, send in so much healing vibes, send in so much peace, protection, um, uplifting energy and safety and health for you or your loved ones because it's hard it's hard and it's 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 crazy it's crazy um i feel like a few different spiritual folks and readers have talked about this already and i've been feeling it too like this moment of really doing shadow work and i might have mentioned this before but it's just been coming up so strong for me like just having to sit with myself in a way that either well that I didn't allow before and so a lot of my insecurities a lot of my just past um inner child stuff has been in my damn face and making me like really look at it and be like hey why do you have abandonment issues girl like (laughs) what you got them for let's go back That's what this time has been giving me. Um, And so it could be giving you that too. So I'm just offering some encouragement for those of us who are just finding it, uh, who are just finding this moment to be one of realizing things and growth and healing, which we all know is not fun or sexy. It's really hard. So that's kind of where I am right now. You know what helped? Shrooms, y'all. I love, I really love shrooms. And I did a little shroom trip the other day and it really helped with me kind of seeing those things, but it was in a joyful way. It wasn't in a like traumatic, oh my God, I got to go back to all my trauma. But it was like, okay, boo, like you ever notice how you do this thing, honey? Like that's, that's really not cute. So how are we going to address that? How are we going to journal? You're going to journal? You're going to go to your ancestors? What are we going to do? You're going to start speaking up for yourself? What are you going to do? And it helped. So I don't know for y'all who are into the psychedelic thing, you know, I feel like it's a good shroom trip time. I don't know. 
And I'm recording this today. It's the day before 420. <laughs> so tomorrow we'll also be getting lit. <laughs> but anywho, that's what's been going on with me. Just wanted to tell y'all that and just trying to make it through like everybody else. Um, So let's get into donations and then uh, move forward with the show. All you need is a little juju. A little juju podcast is written hosted and crafted by me, Juju. And this process is a labor of love, but it is labor nonetheless, because podcasting ain't free. It takes time, energy, resources, money, so that I can pay people to help me. Finally, I have a little bit more resources to do that. And I'm able to do that because people donate. Um, It is a few ways to donate to the show. All of them are important. I will start with the monetary ways and then we'll get into the non-monetary ways to support this work. So the first monetary way that I'll mention is through Patreon, which is a site that allows you to contribute to the show monthly. So on the first of the month, Patreon automatically takes out whatever you choose to donate, which will range from $1 to as many dollars as you want. I have some suggestions on my Patreon. And based on the level that you donate is the level of content or things that you'll receive from me via Patreon, which includes exclusive deals, videos. Sometimes I do readings. Sometimes I do workings for specific patrons. It just depends. Okay, so big shout out to my newest patron. Shout out to Shakora Hawkins. Thank you. Shout out to Love is Wise for editing your pledge. Shout out to Maureen. Shout out to Drea. Hey boo. Shout out to Siobhan. The Kimmy Express. Shout out to Stephanie Goodson. Michelle. Alexandra Lorena. Red Clay Roundup, Rochelle Waits, Kenyana, Zanita Wiley Montgomery, Cami, Ash, shout out to Ashley E, Malween, Tareen Wright, Nia, Seamus Yarborough, Maya Brady, Quine from underscore cancer son hey Kune. shout out to shantae mariah j deja foster i love how that deja spelled tequa howard elizabeth jasmine shout out to sydney alaya horton loves music a lot shout out to texas isaiah hey thank you for becoming a patron Shout out to Indira Jackson, DJ Harris. Thank you for editing your pledge and upping your pledged. Shout out to Kentoria Earl or Early. Shout out to Fulani. Hey, boo. Thank you for becoming a patron. Shout out to Junie. Shout out to Madison Aubrey. Shout out to Addis Paris. Shout out to Fatal Sila. Fatal. Or Fato, and I'm so sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name. Shout out to you, boo. Extra shout out. Um, Marisabel Tadis, thank you. Amani Miniex, thank you. Tafadzwa Mashuro, thank you so much. Uh, shout out to Kiera Ashley Watkins, Jacinta David Jackson. And that is all my patrons today. Big, big, big shout out. I appreciate you so much per usual. Thank you for sharing the energy of money with me. 
I do not take it lightly today nor ever and sending you the energy of wealth back, sending you the energy of abundance back. Thank you for putting it into me. I'm putting it back into y'all and we're just going to put it into each other. And then that's just the vibe. So I appreciate y'all so, so, so much, especially as we are in the midst of a global pandemic. Trust me, y'all don't know how much you mean to me for becoming patrons and also just shouting me out and and donating in in the ways that you can so thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you and of course big shout out to those of you who hit me up on the cash app for a more non-committal way to donate to the show at dollar sign i-t-s-j-u-j-u-b-a-e or on my paypal at the jujubay t-h-e-j-u-j-u-b-a-e at gmail.com big shout outs to those of you who have donated in that way i say a little prayer for you each time so thank you and if you are interested in the non-monetary ways to donate to the show which are just as important shout me out tag alj pod tag jujubay on social media put people on to the show tell them what this podcast is and what it's about comment subscribe so that i pop up when a new episode comes out so you already are hip and you know just let people know about the show you can rate five stars on apple or whatever platform that you are using and just help me spread the good juju gospel i appreciate everyone who always tags and tells me they're listening and puts people onto the show i deeply deeply appreciate that as well all that information will be in the show notes so now let's get back into the show all you need is a little juju Okay, so let's get into our first segment, which is Heal Yourself, which is juju-related tips and tricks to help ourselves heal spiritually, emotionally, physically, mentally, all the things. So today, I feel like this probably has already been a Heal Yourself, but I'm just going to say it again because it's necessary and it's important. And I talked about it on Instagram for a minute, and it is going outside and seeing what plants, aka most likely weeds are growing around your house or in your neighborhood. Um, recently, well, a couple of weeks ago, I went to the park up the street from my house and I kept seeing this, a lot of dandelions, of course, y'all know the, the weed, that's, you know, the yellow sort of sun looking top, that's dandelions be everywhere. Um, but there was a lot of dandelions at the park by my house and there's also this like purpley type weed right next to the dandelions. It has like little, like, buds on the top and sort of like leaves on it that are similar to mint looking leaves and it's like green and transitions into this purple at the top um and I was like what is this called because I feel like this particular plant is talking to me and it is everywhere in my neighborhood and so I'm of the belief obviously especially as a hoodoo practitioner that you know, whatever the the land is providing, whatever nature is providing is something that I need to look into because it is clearly, you know, we always going to get what we need around us. So there's medicine everywhere and, and everything. So I'm like, what is this purple medicine? So I looked it up and somebody, um, my friend Tiffany on uh, Instagram was like, it's purple dead nettle. And then a few other people were telling me the scientific name of it. And I go into researching purple dead nettle and it is a you know, as we understand a quote unquote weed, but it's a diuretic, meaning that it helps, you know, can move bowels or, um, helps you pee and get things out in that way. (laughs) But it's also good for minor cuts. It's good for wounds. Um, it is good for the liver. It can help with allergies. Um, it's an astringent, it's antibacterial, um, 
it's all these things antiviral and i'm like well damn look um this seems like something that would be very necessary during this time in baltimore just growing around so i took some and i um cleaned it off and i bought some everclear liquor 189 proof liquor and i'm making a tincture out of purple dead nettle and i'm just gonna see how it works it's still you know sitting it has to uh, steep i guess is the proper term for a few weeks and then I'm just going to see how my body reacts to it, use it in some of the different forms and see how it works. And yeah, so my heal yourself tip is to go outside, see what you have. If you got some purple dead nettle where you at, go and get some. Um, now, I'm not like an herbalist. I don't even want to pretend like I'm an herbalist. So I would definitely do your research. Definitely talk to someone if you know someone who is an herbalist to check in. Make sure that you're not picking up no poisonous flowers. But I, I know that there's a few apps out there. I haven't downloaded any, but I know that there are plant finder apps. So I would get that, you know, probably talk to someone else, see how it can be used. Do your research, of course. But even if you don't, move forward and use it it's just good to know what medicine is around and how you could potentially use it in the future we are in some weird times the medical system's a little weird right now western meds is flailing you know we just gotta root again ground ourselves and root ourselves in in the medicine that you know mama nature is providing us so even if you don't go and use it in this moment it, it's just good to know okay i know i can on site i know what this plant is and what it can be used for um and how i could use it if i wanted to move forward so that is to heal yourself today. Oh, I also wanted to say purple dead nettle from a spiritual aspect is also a plant that is used to um, boost moods. And um, it also is a plant for like tenacity or sort of being able to flourish in trying circumstances and just sort of giving one confidence to be able to do that. That was some spiritual uses. And I thought that that was also very interesting um, being a, a plant that is very, that's all over where I'm at in Baltimore um, and thinking of this place kind of being uh, somewhere where it's just a lot of stress and trauma and pain, to be honest, but people um, being able to flourish and grow and still be and heal. Um, you know, I can imagine that purple dead nettle could be a good, would have a good use in some sort of like mood elevating, mood boosting, um, working for people. So I've just been thinking about that as that's what it's used for. And it is used for that because even when the soil is really poor or whatever, like purple dead nettle can grow. It's sort of like this flower from the concrete kind of thing. So if you are somewhere where that is, you know, I would just think about how you can use it in that way too. Do some, some maybe some elevation work for a city. I don't know. I'm just, just offering some ideas, have some thoughts about it. But yeah, so heal yourself. See what plants are around you. See what weeds are around you and how you could be using them um, because the land is always going to give us what we need. Always, 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 always. We have enough already. So, oh, wait, I also want to say, first of all, I didn't say nothing about dandelions. Dandelions are extremely <laughs> beneficial. Um, I'm sure you live around some type of dandelions, but the thing about it is, so yes, do your dandelion research, wonderful medicinal properties and spiritual properties. Um, but you don't want to use plants that are sort of in a highly congested area. So if you're in a city 
and people are constantly, you know, walking past where you may see these particular plants, you probably don't want to pick plants from there because it's just got all the city grime and stuff. You kind of want to, if you have a place that's kind of off the beaten path or an area that's a little bit more greener and the weeds are there, you can pick those, but I wouldn't pick them at least not ones that you would be putting on your body or ingesting from a like city sort of congested area. Um, there's purple dead nettle by my house, but there's also purple dead nettle in this big ass park up the street from my house in the cut in the park so that I'm not taking the ones that people just walking on. You know what I mean? So I just wanted to say that too. <laughs> All you need is a little juju. Okay, so our next segment today is Juju for the Culture, which is basically me um, talking Juju-related things in reference to what's going on in the world, usually pop culture, just kind of what's going on, my little Juju view of what's happening. So today for Juju for the Culture, I wanted to talk about the Clark Sisters movie. Um, the Clark Sisters movie is if you don't know who the Clark sisters are, they are a gospel group, a Kojic gospel group. They are, are five sisters, but really was mostly four of them. But it started off as five sisters, and um, they're one of the biggest uh groups, gospel groups ever, Grammy nominated, Grammy receiving. I mean, it's the Clark Sisters. If you ever heard of Clark Sisters, I mean, I have listeners everywhere, so everybody might not know who the Clark Sisters are, but they are very popular in the black gospel community in the U.S., okay? Uh, so a movie about them came out and their story and how their mama trained them up to be good singers and good Christian women and some of the backlash and the Kojic Church, and it just talked about all of that. And it was such a good movie. It sparked a lot of things within me. Um, just sort of thinking about and and the live tweets that were happening when with the Clark Sisters movie. Everyone's talking about their own experiences, sort of growing up in the church and what that looked like and, you know, sneaking off to see a boys and you know, having to go to church for this many hours and quiet rehearsal, you know, just, it just brought up a lot of memories, I think for a lot of, a lot of people. Um, and then it also just sort of sparked this conversation, I think about the Kojic church and, um, all that. So check it out on Lifetime if you're interested. It was a good movie. I really enjoyed it. Um, but I don't want to talk so much about the movie itself, but like I said, the, this, the Kojic church and just gospel and, um, you know, as I, I know I've said this in the podcast before, but the Kojic church itself, which is the church of God in Christ, um, is one of the biggest Pentecostal churches. Actually, it is the biggest Pentecostal church, um, in the world. <laughs> and it is one that was founded by a root worker. We're going to get into that. But if you're not familiar with the Kojic church, I actually asked Twitter yesterday. I was like, when you hear Kojic, what do you think of? A lot of people said women who can't wear pants, long jean skirts. It can't be showing no skin, no makeup or little makeup. Um, being at church for hours, they think about revivals. They think about shouting. They think about a choir that really just gave it to you. You know, they think about it being loud. They think about constantly being at church, church every day. Um, they think about church meetings and ushers and, 
and the bishops and, you know, the mothers, the elders in the church. So this is sort of that very, you know, Koja kind of makes me think about just very African like praise and worship. A lot of Pentecostal churches in general, but when I asked what does Kojic mean, those were some of the things that came up. Also, some things that some other things were like trauma, um, very restrictive, lots of rules. Um, so yeah, the Kojic churches it gives that it's very church mothers, big hats, it's women, no pants, it's no secularism, you know, it's it's praise and worship, it's singing down, it's it's all of that. And, and it is restrictive, but it's so interesting that one of these churches that kind of carries this, you know, I think the, I think that black people are dramatic. (laughs) I think that black people have always been dramatic and I don't mean dramatic in a negative, with a negative connotation. I just think that generally like it is in our DNA to be very dramatic. We can be very loud. We can we emphasize things a lot and twice and we just do a lot. It's just in the DNA, honey. We do a lot. We praise our people a lot. We worship our deities in a a lot manner. It's just what we do. And I think Kojic sort of takes up the space of a, like a lotness in a religious aspect. And when I feel like black folks do a lot, I feel like we're being very inherently African um, as displaced African people. You know, I'm talking to those of us who are part of the diaspora. Um, we sort of have carried our praise and worship, uh, even as the deities may have changed, or maybe it went from in worshiping indigenous spirits and ancestors to Jesus or whoever, we still be singing, we still be wailing, we still be running around, we still be speaking in tongues, you know? And I think that the Kojic church has held on to that aspect of worship in a way that not a lot of other I'm not going to say not a lot of other, that's not fair to say, but I think that Kojic has sort of held on to this very African way of worshiping, uh, in the States, uh, period, just, just period. Um, but the founder of the Kojic church has been critiqued for many years because he was a conjure man. He was a root worker. His name is, um, Bishop Charles Harrison Mason. And he had visions. He talked very much about his visions, you know, said God would talk to him. Spirit would talk to him. He would talk about the use of roots. He would talk about the use of herbs and compare that to how Jesus may have used herbs and roots. And he would use them to conjure and create, um, and tell different stories to the congregation at that time. And it really wasn't a big deal because the man was from, I'm pretty sure he was born to enslaved parents. And, um, I believe from Mississippi, I'm sorry, Tennessee, 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 Tennessee. And he always, he was known to be a man with supernatural characteristics. Like he just was always, even as a young child. And I put links to some things that I found around about Charles, Bishop Charles Harrison Mason, but it just made me think the Clark sisters movie and thinking about the Kojic church and thinking about praising in a very black ass way, all the way down to the founder of this particular black ass <laughs> sector of Christianity and Abrahamic tradition also have been having been found by a root worker a conjurer. And of course, far as I know, when I looked on the web, the Kojic website, they did not, they did not say that 
Charles Harrison Mason was a conjurer or root worker. Um, that is not, that was not in his bio. However, he was uplifted as the founder. There was a very clear link that said our founder. And so there was, you know, there's some ancestral veneration happening. Like our very first founder, da, 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 Bishop elevate the, you know, it's a whole, whole thing. Um, but yeah, do your research on Charles Harrison Mason because it's just interesting. It's just, it's just, it's just all interesting. So that's one thing that I thought about when I saw the Clark Sisters movie. The second thing that I was thinking about was what would it be like for us to sing to our deities the ways that um, that we sing in church specifically? Now, I tweeted this and some people were like, we do. Like, we do sing to our deities. I sing gospel songs to my ancestors. I sing, you know, praise and worship songs to my spirits. And yes, I get that. Me too. I'm talking about on a regular basis, if we had a place of worship and we were singing to our collective and, and individual ancestors and elevated ancestors, like we were singing down, we were singing praises what I do to the crossroads man. You know what I mean? When I want to be close to you, like we're singing not just to our ancestors, but we're coming together and putting our voices together as we do or have done every Sunday singing to God or singing to Jesus or singing to whoever, like, yes, we have weight in the water, you know, that will wake our spirits up. You know, we have those songs that aren't necessarily about Jesus or even sometimes gospel songs where Jesus's name isn't even mentioned, which is typically older gospel songs, like from, from way back, the name Jesus wasn't even mentioned. It was spirit or just about God. But I'm taught like, imagine, like I was, I started writing a song for High John because I wanted it to be like in a gospel fashion. You know, I wanted it to give harmonies. I wanted a tenor and an alto section and a soprano and a lead vocalist and, and runs and, you know, pauses and drums. You know, I want all of that. I want to hear that kind of music. I love gospel music. Even as a non-Christian, it's still my favorite genre of music. And I really wish that people were writing songs with our deities in mind. And so I've been trying to write songs and I encourage other songwriters and other musicians, if you practice ATR or, you know, hoodoo, especially write some songs for our, for our deities. You know, there's the songs that already exist, but we can like lift our voices, you know, and create new content to create new songs, especially those of us who don't want to leave gospel because it's such a powerful tool to reach out to spirit. Gospel is powerful, honey. It's powerful music, but I just want to see some that like were written with the intention, with a certain intention. Um, not that they don't exist, because they do. And uh, they, it would be cool to have more. So, yeah, that's what I wanted to say about that. Um, churches are just so interesting. I just... <laughs> they're, they're so interesting. And the ways that so many of our stories for those of us who were raised in church just have similar stories, whether we were Kojic or we grew up Catholic or we grew up Baptist. Um, there's something very cultural that sits and rests within the black church that we have to, we have to parse through. 
that we, in my opinion, can't fully abandon. And what I mean by that is not necessarily believing the Bible or having to be Christian, but because the Bible has such a, is such a strong pillar in the black community. For me, it's, I don't see doing any type of healing work, any type of freedom work, any type of decolonizing work without actually looking to the black church and critiquing and also seeing, okay, but what were our ancestors doing that allowed this shit to also work for them? Because like I be saying, it's a lot of us only here walking around because of somebody's grandmama, somebody's mama. We covered in somebody's prayer that somebody did for us up in a church. It just is what it is. Or in a mosque. But like, I feel like the black church has, is, is just such a, like we can't do much without interacting with the black church, without critiquing the black church, without working with black churches. Um, and you know, you you ain't got a hoodoo. You don't need the Bible to hoodoo, but a lot of our ancestors were using the Bible with hoodoo. So what do we make of that? You know, what, what do we do with that information? Like there's something there that we, there's something there Um, so I'm always just thinking about what is there and then also how can we adapt what we like from the black church, like maybe the music into what we're trying to do now, which is create and uplift our spirits, our deities that don't have to be connected to Jesus or even the Holy Spirit. So yeah, that's just what I, that's what I'm thinking about. And that's what the Clark Sisters movie made me think about. But y'all should just go see the movie in general. I'm, I'll watch the movie on Lifetime um, and, you know, see what comes up for you. And then go and write you a gospel song about Hi John <laughs> and the Crossroads fan and the Elevating Ancestors. All right, y'all. So that is my juju for the culture. Hope y'all enjoyed that. All you need is a little juju. Okay, so today's episode is... Um, this main topic, it it might be a lot for some people because I want to talk about death and dying. And, you know, like I say in the beginning, this podcast is about decolonizing some of our beliefs and understanding different concepts from an African traditional, you know, diasporic Uh, spiritual tradition and you know that's not always easy and that's not always light you know we are in the midst of a lot of death around us I mean let's keep it hunted a lot of people are dying a lot of people are dead they're dying in hospitals Um, they're dying in their homes their bodies are being piled up in uh, um, hospital rooms throughout the world right now and a lot of those people who are dying are black people um disproportionately actually the people that are dying are black people those are the number one related deaths um in regards to COVID-19 and so you know and so as people are physically dying we have institutions dying we have healthcare systems dying we have our ideas around what we thought 
this year was going to be, what we thought our lifestyles were going to be, what kind of money we thought we were going to get, what type of things we thought we were going to do. All of that is also dying because those things do not exist in the ways that we thought they were going to exist just a month or two ago. So we are in a dead, dying moment. What do we do with that? It's just, it's been, you know, my Scorpio moon has just been getting uh, invigorated. And I've just been thinking a lot about this shit because we are going to have to figure out as spiritual workers or as conjurers or whatever, however you might identify, how we're going to deal with all this energy of decay. Where do we pull life from this moment? How do we create and sustain life in this moment? Um, that sounds like a journal entry. Let's ping, let's stick a pen in it. Sounds like a journal entry. Um, but specifically with the death and dying and people and black people, I've been thinking, of course, a lot about spirits, our spirits, um, and how they might be transitioning in this moment. Um, I've been thinking a lot about the trauma that is coming from this COVID-19 shit in regards to our spirits dying traumatically and not having proper burials. Um, you know, we can't have funerals in the ways that we used to have funerals right now. Some people can't have funerals at all because of social distancing and quarantining. You can't gather, you know, so some of our death, even our death rituals are being compromised right now. And the ways that we would typically honor spirits has to look different right now and is going to look different. So what does that mean for the spirits that are dying right now? Again, these very black ass spirits that are dying right now. Um, we're, we're sort of being faced with another layer of potential um, traumatized spirits, but... Um, also like untransitioned spirits. And that's not a new concept because I think, I mean, I live in Baltimore and one thing I tell you about moving back here is that there are so many untransitioned spirits around me, um, on my block, just everywhere in the city. It's so many dead people. It's so many dead people. There's dead people everywhere, but it's a lot of dead people here, um, who have died in a very traumatic way and who have not had, you know, proper rites and rituals that have happened for them. So their spirits are still literally walking around Baltimore and still causing chaos, really. Still causing chaos. Bunch of uh, niggas walk around here who don't even know that they're dead, actually. So, you know, it's not a new concept that black folks are, you know, not having proper burials um, or, you know transitioning rituals but it's a different level y'all now it's a different level because of COVID it is and especially I mean even in Baltimore like the murder rate has gone up here since COVID-19 so all these things work together they're confounding uh, because the issues that we had before COVID are, are just being exacerbated. They ain't going away. They just, if anything, they're worse. And they weren't doing it on top of being in the midst of a global pandemic and people being ill. So, you know, I don't have advice. Well, I do. I'm, I'm going to share some advice a little bit later. But this is kind of me just thinking through it and just wanting to, like, have a lot of us think through it. Because that's what we're in. And 
trying me just trying to figure out my responsibility and all of us figure out our responsibility to these spirits um around what we are to do um so i want to i had a thread on twitter that i posted the other day when thinking about this episode and it was just like word <laughs> word vomit so i want to read through my thread um to just let y'all into what i've been thinking about and I'm, I'm also curious how, what comes up for y'all when y'all hear this. So I'm just going to read each tweet and then I'll maybe expound on it after I read the tweet. But okay, so I wrote this on April 14th. I said, I'm still processing this, so bear with me. So I think death has always been something that can be traumatizing. When we lose someone that we love or care for, it hurts. We mourn. We might be sad for a period after we have to re after we have to readjust our lives without that person. However, there's something that makes me feel like post-colonization, post-Western domination, death became almost more traumatic for Black people, specifically for a few reasons. One, our concepts of death in the West are not the same concepts of death that we carried on the continent. Even if, even if we look at the cycle of life through the Dikanga, also known as, you know, the cos the Congo cosmogram, everything dies, everything finna be born, everything returns to the spirit realm in a cycle. So I'm gonna pause there. And um, I've talked about the Dikanga before in previous episodes, but basically it's how our ancestors from the Congo sort of understood the circle of life and it moves us all. <laughs> Is that the lyrics? So that's how they understood the circle of life. It, it explained death and life, you know, basically existing in a circle. We go around and we are humans and we are born and we have this experience and then we die and we go back to the spirit realm and then we, I might be saying it a little off, but that's basically what the cosmogram is. Um, and so, okay, back to the tweet. So this isn't to suggest that our Congo ancestors did not mourn or were not traumatized by death. But if you lived in a community that saw life and death as cyclical and almost one in the same, I imagine that would give some relief to a mourning person. So basically what I was saying is like, death is always going to be something. And, and my assumption is always something that has been traumatic. It is a traumatic experience. Just like coming into the world is traumatic. Being born is such a traumatic experience. Like, I being born is, is very ghetto. But imagine having something and it going away has always been painful. But if we grew up in a society, if we grew up thousands of years ago with our Congo ancestors who had an explanation for life and and there was something that we could look to that was ingrained in our society that talks about, well, this is the, the journey that that person on has, that this person is on is just continuing and death is not really an end to anything. It's just a continuation of um, a life cycle and it's not bad. So this doesn't, like I said, I'm not trying to say our ancestors from the Congo weren't ever upset when somebody died. I'm, they mourned and they had their rituals and rites and everything else. But if we grew up in a space that, had explanations for that. And we saw death as just someone continuing a, a life cycle and then that they will come back essentially, um, potentially in a different form, but they will come back. I imagine that that would be something that would be, mm, of it would bring comfort 
to someone who lost a loved one. And now we don't have that same thing. We don't, we are, we are not immersed in a culture that has an explanation for death. If you want that, you have to seek it out and get, go relearn what the Congo cosmogram, what the Dikenga means. Um, so like, that's one reason why death is super traumatic. I think for us black folks, because we are, we live in the West and the West has not given us a good explanation to death besides, okay, and then there's death and then it's over and then bye. And we don't have to honor them anymore. Or sometimes even the Bible telling us that, you know, we don't serve any other spirits and you go, it gets all into like the ancestral veneration being demonic, you know, this whole thing. So we lost that. Okay. Back to the tweet. Cause it ain't done. I'm just stopping. I say, uh, my Ifa and Orisha folks, Yoruba, Nigeria, always say heaven is home and earth is the marketplace. So imagine living in a culture that sees earth as where your spirit goes to just get shit done. And I imagine that that would bring some relief to a grieving person who lost a loved one. So there's a, there's a common, I guess I would call it a proverb, I think in uh, the Orisha tradition that a lot, lots of folks in Yoruba tradition in general, I'm um, talking about heaven being home and earth being the marketplace, meaning our spirits, you know, we reside, we are from heaven, but we come down to earth to get some money. We come to do some healing work. We come to take care of our families. We come to just, you know, get the lineage popping, do the work that we got to do here. And then eventually we go home. So here's just where we, this is, this is the business center. This is where we get in the bread. This is where we figure shit out that we go home back to heaven. So imagine living in a culture. We do not live in this culture anymore, but imagine living in a culture where we thought of earth as just the place that it's the market, but we leave the market and go home. That seems like it would bring some relief to a grieving person. But again, we don't live, we live in the West that tells us that is dead and that's it. We see, um, sometimes we see earth is home. It feels like. So back to the tweet thread. Now I do think lots of black folks still carry the belief of going home to heaven. And that does give us some peace. But imagine if it was fully ingrained into our societal norms and we had places to fully grieve and feel and had a framework around it. Okay. So secondly, grief rituals have always existed for our people, always. When somebody dies, our people have always made a big deal about it from Africa to now. We sing or we sang, we wailed, we do ritual, we cry, we scream, we fed the spirits, we fed community, we danced. And we do that in funeral homes now, but there's something that still feels held back to me sometimes. We still sing and cry and wail and eat, but I don't know. There's something that feels disjointed and I don't know what it is and I can't put it into words right now. So yeah, I was thinking just a lot about death rituals that we have. One, because we can't engage in our death rituals as we did pre-COVID, BC, before COVID. Um, and I think, because of the attack on our, the continued attack on African traditional and diasporic traditions. Um, we, the way that we're able to honor our dead has been, in my opinion, sort of narrowly brought into funeral homes. 
Now, if you're from New Orleans and they do second lines, we can get into that. That's a different story because I think that those are very, um, very African, you know, practices. This <laughs> is what was going on in New Orleans when folks die. But generally, I would say, you know, we tend to, as black Americans, we have our grief ritual, rituals. Somebody dies. We have a funeral. We have a, a viewing or wake before and then the next day you have the actual funeral after the funeral go to the burial site and then we eat you know i think that's typically how it goes and that's an important ritual that we have um but when we look back to different uh traditions in history throughout history within africa and really some in the states too and looking to different nations to see how they grieves and we're able to grieve things will last in days honey like days i was just reading um of water in spirit by melodoma patrice Somme, and he was talking about um in the dagara region i think it was when his grandfather died it was a day it was so long they actually eat with the dead person and the dead person actually eats like the person is dead and the the dead person actually moves um, they only do this for like, you know, chiefs who die, but like they have this huge just ceremonies and people run around and they wail and then there's a moment to eat with the dead and then you clean up the dead person. I mean, it's a whole process. There's a clan in Kisumu County in Kenya where there are mourners who are paid to mourn at uh, funerals. They blow whistles, they mourn, they cry, they yell. Um, because the dead are supposed to have a proper send-off. We are supposed to grieve. We are supposed to cry. We are supposed to well. So there's literally people who get hired to bring that energy into a space. So this is like something that we have always done and been very, very serious about. And this still happens uh, at Kisumu, by the way. Of course, I'll have links to the YouTube video. Um, there was this video going around that... Um, was famous on or got popular on TikTok, but it was of some Ghanaian pallbearers and they had, they were carrying the casket on their shoulders and they were dancing, honey. They were getting down in Ghana. Um, and the woman was talking about, she, she hired those pallbearers to dance because she was saying that basically as you're laying a loved one to rest, they're pretty much doing, you know, whatever is happening around them in the funeral ritual. And so she wanted to send her mother home to her maker dancing. So she hired people to dance and carry her, her mother as they're about to lay her to rest. And there's, there's horns playing and it looked like a second line. And actually the tweet, um, someone put the TikTok video on, on Twitter and someone wrote, I'll never forget. Also, let me, it's at dev in the city. So Devin the City says over this video of these dancing pallbearers in Ghana, I'll never forget learning how New Orleans second lines are direct connection to this African tradition. This city, New Orleans, is unlike any other in the States because we've managed to remain true to our roots more than any other place here. That New Orleans spirit you feel is this. Um, and yeah, this Ghanaian video, I'll link it, looks just like a second line video uh, basically in New Orleans where they also dance and celebrate and sing with the body of a dead person carrying it um, on their shoulders and on their backs because we're this is a celebration of life essentially um but it just 
so there's so many different examples. I'm sure there's tons in, in the Caribbean. There's so many different things that I came up on. I mean, I've just been thinking a lot about all of the ways that we have sort of ritualized this process. Also, one of the things I was looking at in different videos of death rituals on the continent was um, the long line of just sort of carrying the body whether to the resting place or just throughout the city, you know, mirrors the long cars, you know, it's a whole bunch of long cars when we're going to the, the cemetery and, you know, people respect it. You got your lights on, it's blinking. It was the same thing in Kenya. It was the same thing in Ghana, except maybe folks were in cars. Some people were in um, little scooters. Some people were on motorbikes, but it's just sort of this taking up space because a person has died. So we're like taking over the roads. We're taking up over the space because we're honoring and celebrating the life of this person. So yeah, I do think that we've kept a lot of our, our death rituals. It just, I think the part that bothers me is the, you know, the lack of, I think, follow-up. So yes, we eat, we mourn, we celebrate, we, we cry, but then we don't do anything with the bodies after, which is not traditional. Typically, we would um, have an ancestor space, an ancestor altar, ancestor sticks, ancestor something. So where we're consistently having days that we're honoring our dead. And I don't exactly see us doing that um, as we used to do. Not that we don't honor our dead. I think people who have died, that we have death anniversaries or we, you know, a lot of niggas in Baltimore, if a friend died or something on their birthday, like you drink the liquor that they used to drink. You might go out where they used to go out. You know, you turn up for them. I think that we do that but I'm talking about a full day like in Haiti they have the Gede festival so um a day of the dead basically like what what are our days of the dead and so that's why sometimes I feel like our funeral rites and our rituals of the dead are under attack are consistently under attack and again now with COVID it feels like it's even more um even more under attack because I know for a personal family death ritual, somebody who was dying in my family, oh, we call him Reverend Williams. <laughs> like Reverend Williams got to go sit with them. If they're dying, they have to sit with the pastor. They have to sit with the Reverend. They need to be prayed over. They could die. They need to be, if they're close to death or about to die, they need to be with a person, quote unquote, of God to be able to help them transition and bring them some peace as they are about to go transition and meet the maker but we can't do that we can't reverend reverend williams can't go and sit in sit in for a death and dying person right now because we're social distancing so what do we do you know what do we do that's what i've been thinking a lot about and has been kind of concerning me um i also want to say that i was looking at an article. It was really, really good. I'm going to link it. I recommend y'all going through it and reading it yourself, but it's called The Disappearance of a Distinctively Black Way to Mourn. Um, as many African-American-owned funeral homes close, the communities they serve are losing a centuries-old means of grieving and protest. So this came out January of 2016. Um, so we see that that was happening in January 2016. A lot of funeral homes are closing down because of gentrification, because of folks aren't able to pay for the expensive process of taking care of the dead. You know, funeral funerals are expensive. <laughs> People be going broke trying to put somebody in coffins, the nice coffin, the nice headstone, the nice church, the nice flowers. This shit is expensive. 
shit is expensive. <laughs> and in 2016, if people haven't been able to afford it, imagine now in 2020 with everything that's going on, these local, a lot of uh, local owned black businesses are going out of business, including our funeral homes. Because one, people can afford them. Black folks are moving out of the areas that they used to live in where many um, black funeral homes are. And now they're closing down because people can't even have funerals in the ways that they could before because of COVID. So I think we're actually about to see a a shortage of of burial grounds or at least black owned uh, burial spaces, which is again, another direct attack on our death rights and our death rituals and our ability to give people peaceful celebratory home goings. And that's what this, this is about. Um, you know, because essentially, Well, it says in this article, particularly in the 17th and 18th centuries, if slaves were allowed to bury their own dead and craft their own rituals away from overseeing eyes of whites, they could plan for their freedom spiritually and physically. So having a death ritual during enslavement was was a date was something dangerous to do because, you know, white folks did not want our ancestors congregating in any sort of way, especially at a funeral, because people were organizing uh freedom movements and liberation and riots actually at funerals. And then of course they were also able to worship in the ways that they wanted to, which was seen as a dangerous, which was seen as dangerous. I mean, I think black folks during enslavement always sort of had to take care of the bodies of the ones that were lost because of course the white people wasn't doing it. You know, if black folks, um, were lost but then when we speed up time a little bit we get to the civil war we think about this massive just um amount of bodies having died black and white because you know in the midst of war and so white people were more able to send their bodies the bodies of soldiers and loved ones who had passed they, they could send their bodies home and so folks started embalming more so that the body could be transported from one place to the other but black folks i mean pretty much where we died we were laid so You know, people had to start learning again, like, okay, this is how we'll embalm. This is how we'll create this. We have to take care of our own. There are black bodies literally laying here. What do we do with them? What do we need to put on them? How do we wrap them? How do we, how do we, um, do ritual around them? And so the funeral business sort of became this very, um, necessary way to take care of bodies, but also it became extremely lucrative, for black people it created some like black millionaires like the funeral funeral industry is one that is i think a billion dollars or something like that but again as we're in this covid time i'm just it's just a lot it's just a lot so i'm just thinking about that okay back to my back to my tweets because i wasn't done reading them I feel like it just got really loud outside and I know y'all be saying y'all don't hear when I say something is in the background, but I hear it and it's annoying. So I hope y'all don't hear it. I live in the city. Okay. Okay. So I said, we still have held on deeply to our traditional roots, but maybe it's the lack of follow up. Maybe it's because the West in the West, some of us have sort of adopted this idea of once somebody is dead, they're just dead. And no, because there's space to continue to build relationship with a dead person. And maybe that it, that's what it is that I feel. 
being in the West, I think that the ways that our people die increases the trauma of death itself. Like niggas constantly murdered, dying of sickness because of lack of access to health care. Black mamas dying during childbirth. Black people just be dying in a way that other people are not dying. So death is already traumatic. And now the ways that we're dying put more trauma on top of an already traumatic experience. Am I making sense? That was my tweet. Yes, we all die, but niggas die different. And now with COVID-19, our bodies are being piled up in rooms and hospitals and families can't even see their loved ones. And we can't perform whatever rituals that we do have or proper burials. And it's just, I can't. Once our people stepped foot on American soil via chattel slavery, we started dying different, which means the ones who died here, meaning in the U.S., um, have a bit of a different transition story than the ones from before. We were told to abandon our beliefs and how we see the world, many of which we have held and even more which that we have lost. And death sort of became this fearful, bad, dark, in quotes, thing because of how we started dying. So basically, I just started thinking about, yes, through COVID, but also just how we started dying here being a very traumatic way that we... Um, got to this land we died on this land uh because of trauma because of being separated and because of actually physically being killed um and so death sort of became this of course death has always been un, uh inevitable but it became this sort of like inevitable traumatic thing like we actually don't just get to die because we're old or it's like it's not something that just happens to elders everybody dying kids dying um, people dying in childbirth, people dying for um, being sick and not having care, people dying because of violence, people dying from anger, you know, people die from, from being so traumatized. It's like, yeah, we all die, but dang, niggas is really dying different. And especially during the global pandemic, niggas is really dying different. So how we understand and talk about death, you know, the whole point of this tweet and these thoughts and this episode is that we have to shift how we think about death. Because we're a, we're finna be, not we finna be, we already are in the midst of a lot of death. We still understand that death is traumatic and it's horrible and it's difficult to move through and we have tools in place to be able to continue to connect with that spirit to do healing work for that spirit um to work with that spirit to allow that spirit to rest whatever it is that is necessary we can still do those things because many of our ancestors have laid out different rituals for us to be able to move forward with and do and we're going to have to really take the torch in this and start to do some of that work now as our people are dying. You know, there's some of us, I would look into some death doulas and I would also start to look into the Dekanga. I would start to look into this idea of earth being the marketplace. I would just start to get more comfortable in things dying and in things being dead. We have to, because that's if we don't do that, we're not properly using this moment. We're not properly um, preparing. You know, we are in a preparation preparation stage and it feels very tower energy, all of my tarot card readers. It's, it's very like, 
shit's dying around us. How we how are we finna be adaptable to that death? How are we finna understand it? And how are we how are we about to not let it be the thing that keeps us from moving forward or just not being so afraid of death? Again, death sucks. Losing people is hard. It's not that. It's we have to though get more comfortable with it. And this is what spirit been telling me over and over and over again. It's been so many death cards. But it's not something to be fearful of, even though we, it, it makes sense why we are, because we as black people die different. So it is scary. Um, so just to round out my last tweets, I said, yeah, I don't know. Death sucks and it hurts and it's traumatizing. And when I have lost and inevitably will lose more loved ones, I'm going to be a wreck. But there's some solace I get to carry because I know and am in intimate relationship with people who are dead. But I understand everybody ain't got it and everybody don't believe it. And when you talk about it, niggas look at you crazy. Um, and even... But even acknowledging, just acknowledging the dead does wonders for a grieving heart. Even if you're not a medium or you don't see dead people, it's not about that. It's about our ancestors literally giving us frameworks and tools to ease the scars that death can leave behind and to ease the spirit of a dead or dying person. They've laid it out so beautifully for us so we don't have to partake in Western spirit genocide, which is what I think it is. I think it is Western spiritual genocide when we don't acknowledge our dead and we we just don't um pour our libations or do what we need to do for these particular spirits um especially now like we have a responsibility so what death rituals could look like now like i just said pouring libation just going outside pour some libation for um, a particular person that you f heard died or someone in your family who might have died um, or is sick and potentially dying, praying that they have a good transition. You know, eventually you putting people on your altar. You know, we don't typically put individuals on our altar immediately after they die. You like to, you need to wait some time, let them transition, let them, you know, figure out their next phase of life. Cause they're, they're trying to figure out like, oh shit, I'm dead. Like now what? I got a whole new life to live so they have to get used to that so we don't put them immediately on our altar but you know waste some time a couple months th three months or so um or just check in with that spirit but i think we could be doing some libations we could be putting out candles or lamps or lights for the transition of some spirits during this time uh especially for family sending some lights and lighting candles for families who aren't able to connect with their loved ones who aren't able to have rituals uh, death rituals or burials because of money issues or whatever. I'm praying for all the untransitioned spirits. Like my spirits told me to do that because a lot of people have died on my street. Um, not since I've been here necessarily, but there's just a lot of death in my neighborhood where I live. So I have to go outside and start pouring libation for all the spirits around here. That's not transitioned. So if you live in an area like that, that could be something that would be good for you to do. Just putting some water out, letting those spirits transition, um, praying for spirits, um, singing songs to spirits, going to the water and leaving offering for water spirits. If you can still go to, if you still have access to bodies of water, we still do over here. 
just stay six feet. You know, I don't have, I don't have the answers. I don't know, but I wanted to have this conversation because it's important and I've been thinking about it and I wanted to just be upfront with this idea of death and how it is around us right now. And it, it's not going to be going anywhere for a little bit. And um, we have to be very mindful of how we are going to take up space in this moment of things being very tower energy, things falling apart and things dying beyond people, but also people and recognizing that it's our people who are dying at these rates. So what are we going to do? What do we do with spirit workers? You know, Um. Yeah, I just, I just, I just need to get, you know, just what does death ritual look like in the midst of COVID? I think we could all do some research or if you know your ancestral background and, you know, think about how you have done death rituals. How has your family ritualized death and what could that look like in an era of social or a time of social distancing? You know, what does ritual look like? How do we do that and remain safe, but also prioritize our spirits because we need them to transition well, okay? We can't afford no more nigga spirits to be transitioning in a way that is just nasty and traumatic. We just can't. We can't, y'all. We can't. And you know, my little cancer heart, I done already cried about it, so I'm not going to cry on this episode, but this has really been getting to me. It has really been getting to me. So I just want us all to be mindful and think about it. Maybe we we have a plant uh, that we use to just, that we water. And when we water it, we speak affirmations and libations over transitioned, our transitioned family members or dying family members or sick family members. I don't know if y'all church, if you still in church and y'all got the prayer, the prayer lines and we just submit names or we pray over those transition spirits, you know, on a certain week, we all do it or a day a week on a Wednesday. I don't know. I don't know, but I'm open to ideas. I'm open to us just talking about it. Cause if you feel called to do this work and you've been thinking a lot about death and maybe being a death doula or this spirit work or death transitions or whatever you in your Scorpio bag, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Cause it's important. It's important. It's important, y'all. So I hope that didn't bring anybody down. I want us to really, I want us to see death as something that is less um, shitty and look to the ways that our so many of our ancestors have laid out to help us grieve, to help us heal, to help us mourn. Um and to help explain some of the complications and very strange feelings that come when death arrives, you know? So I just am inviting us to do that work in whatever way that we, we see fit to, to do that work. So, and you know, also I want to say this as we are in this moment of a lot of transitions, um, deaths, etc. I'm encouraging us to mourn. You know, we don't have to be hard about it. Um, quite frankly, I don't think that we always have to keep it together. We're not supposed to always keep it together. Um, t- 
tap into that place that you may or may not allow yourself to tap into that is around your emotions. Of course, my cancer ass is going to tell you this, but yo, I'm not just saying this because I'm a cancer and I'm a crier, but we have to mourn. Like it's one of, it's a healing tool. It's a tool that helps spirits tradition. I'm sorry. It helps. <laughs> it is a traditional tool that helps our spirits transition it helps eases our heart. So the shit that's going on right now is difficult. It's hard. Our whole joint, our whole shit about to be different than what we thought. Cry about it. Or be upset about it. Yell about it. Scream about it. It's terrible. It's hard. Please mourn it. Mourn it. Because otherwise it's going to make the transition that much harder because we that means we haven't prioritize properly processing okay alliteration girl okay what is happening around us please grieve please mourn please let it out do not hold it in that's gonna make you sick that's gonna make you sick so um encouraging encouraging grief at this time for us all for yourself and also for your spirits Thank y'all for tuning into another episode of A Little Juju Podcast. If you would like to find me on the social media account, you can find me at It's Jujubay, I-T-S-J-U-J-B-A-E on Twitter and on IG. You can also find me at A Little Juju Podcast on IG as well. If you would like to reach out, if you want to have me on some type of virtual call, virtual conference, some type of speaking engagement, virtual things, you can hit me up on my website it's jujubay.com um sponsorships etc you can also send me my email on this jujubay.com and that is pretty much it sending y'all some goodness sending y'all good health sending y'all prosperity abundance all those things um if you wish the same for me stay safe out there and let's get these dead people together y'all let's get these dead people together so we can get ourselves together all right blessings remember All you need is a little juju. (laughs) See ya.